Aren't you thankful that God, he wants us to live a life of victory. He wants us to go from victory to victory to victory. That's God's heart. And he's a God that loves to bless us. Now we're going to look at a passage of scripture today that is difficult for many Christians because it ends up with a, a man and his family being stoned and burned. And you say, well, where's God's heart in that? How could that be God? But I want us to look at this passage and understand it. I've titled this, Sanctify Yourselves for Tomorrow's Victory. Because the life that we live right now determines whether tomorrow we're defeated or tomorrow we live in victory. This, that's what this passage teaches. When we dedicate our lives to the Lord, we say, Lord, help me to live for you. Lord, I want to do whatever you call me to do. Lord, I know I'm not perfect. If I stumble, I fall, I repent. Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me to get back up and help me to keep going forward in you. When we have that attitude, we're going to encounter victory after victory. But in this passage, we see a man that disobeys God. He discounts God's word. He says, I'm going to do this anyway, and he rebels against God's word, and it becomes an, a curse on him instead of what God meant to be a blessing. So I want us to grasp this passage of Scripture today. Let's look at verse 1 in chapter 7. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things for Achan. Now, there, there's two Hebrew words that are at the heart of this passage. Karim, which means those things that are dedicated to the Lord. Or Kareem, which means accursed. And they're almost two sides of the same coin. They're very similar sounding. And we need to understand what God says is His and is in His hands, He blesses. But if what God says is His and it's taken out of His hands into our hands, it becomes a curse. And that's what we see in this passage of Scripture. Let's continue. For Achan, the son of Camri, the son of Zabdi, and the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Why did that happen? Well, we need to understand what God had said in last chapter. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 18, God said this, And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things, and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. So God warned him, God's heart is always for our blessing. He's not trying to trick us into making mistakes so that he can pound on us. He warns us, and that's what he had done. But Achan didn't heed God's direction. Let's go on. Verse 2. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon. 
on the east side of Bethel and spoke to them saying, go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, do not let all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people, therefore the people of Ai are few. All of us can fall into this trap, church. They underestimated the strength of the enemy. There were actually 12,000 in the city. But they thought there were two or three, so they said, let's not take the whole group There were about 40,000 Israelite troops. And there's a mistake there, church, and I want you to grasp this. Don't underestimate the enemy that comes to steal and kill and destroy from your life. His intent never changes. But greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. God in us, Christ in us, is greater than the battles that we face. The battles always belong to Him. But don't think you can go through life just halfway being a Christian. They had 40,000 troops and they said, oh, let's just send two or three. Because AI isn't a big deal. And and I relate that spiritually to the fact that I'm not going to be a halfway Christian. I'm not going to be a Christian that just says, oh, Jesus saved me from hell. I don't want to go to hell. And, you know, I'll, I'll come to church on Christmas and Easter. God calls us to be disciples, to be dedicated. He calls us to be people of the Word of God, people of prayer, people that aren't afraid to praise Him and worship Him, people that are sold out for Jesus. And that's what this is talking about. The people thought they could just halfway, you know, get by and we'll, yeah, we're going to have another victory. You're never going to live a life of victory unless you're sold out to Jesus. Amen. Amen. And when you are sold out, then you can expect victory after victory. Chapter 8 is God's plan. They enter into victory when they get rid of the sin in the camp. And church, I'm I'm challenging you today. If we want to see God move in our state and in our valley, then we have to be sold out for Jesus. We're not playing church. We're going with all that we've got. We're going to be people that are discipled and we read the word, we study the word, we, we welcome God to speak to us through the word, we listen to his voice, he guides us and directs us. We're going to be people that aren't ashamed to stand up for Jesus in the workplace or at school, or wherever God calls us. Amen? We're going to be ready to pray for people. We're going to be ready to minister to people. We're going to love people into life in Jesus. I want to be that kind of church. How about you? Amen? I want to be sold out going forward saying, God, I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm going to take all 40,000 and we're going to attack the enemy with everything we have. That's what God calls us to do. We don't underestimate the enemy. We don't get overconfident. They'd had a victory. Jericho was an awesome victory, but it wasn't their victory. It was God's victory. Amen? So don't start thinking that you're the victor except in Christ. 
It's Christ who leads us to the victory. Let's go on, look at verse 4. So about 3,000 men went up, up there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. Ai means ruin. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Shabarim. And struck them down on the descent. Therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Now it's interesting if you take the names of Ai, which means ruin. And Shabaram means the breaking point. And if you take those names and, and read it in that way, it's interesting. It, it's it's saying we were chased by ruin because we were under our own curse until we came to our breaking point on our way down. And I like to see people come to their breaking point. You say, oh, pastor, that's horrible. No, because when you reach your breaking point, you're open to what God wants to do. I... I I deal with people that have struggled with alcohol and drugs and immorality and all different kinds of things. And until they reach that point where they're broken, it's very difficult for them to totally surrender to God. But when they reach that point where they're broken, where ruin has chased them to that breaking place in their life, then they're, they're open. Then they want, want to understand, well, what about this Jesus? What about God? Is there really a God? Can God really help me? Can God free me? Can He set me free? And church, the answer is yes. There is a God. Yes, it's Jesus, the Son of the living God. He will set you free. And when the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. So we can, we can help people when they come to that place. And so when I see someone that's struggling with, with something like that, I pray, Lord, get them to the breaking place, to the breaking point where they'll, where they'll say, Lord, here I am. I surrender to you, whatever you want for my life. Amen? Verse 6, Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. Joshua showed his repentance here, his humility towards God. And God gave him clear direction. Church, if you, if you realize that the enemy is coming and, and, and against you and you're, you're not winning the battle, then you need to take a step back and say, God, I come humbly to you. I repent, Lord. Lord, show me where I've messed up. Show me what I need to do right. And God is loving and caring, and he will show you. Amen? In verse 7, And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan to, to, at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. He's feeling sorry for himself. Have you ever been there? Why me, Lord? Oh. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? 
For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? He's stuck in that. Instead of saying, Lord, show me what's wrong. He's kind of blaming the Lord, saying, Lord, you, need, you know, you need to do something because all these other people are going to start talking and bad-mouthing you. You know I'm right. Now look at verse 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? <laughs> I love that. Joshua finally comes to prayer. Church, Notice, this is where he came to prayer, after the problem. Church, the time to pray is before the problem. Amen? When you're people of prayer and you're, you're communicating with God, God's going to tell you before you enter into the battle, there's sin in the camp and you need to deal with it. Amen? Now God's telling him, this isn't the time to pray. Get up and deal with the sin. And there's a powerful truth there. As a pastor, I have prayed with so many people that have come into my office and they're in this situation. And they've, they say, Pastor, will you pray with me and, and encourage me? And so, I, yes, I'll pray with you and encourage you. But the issue is, there's sin in their life that they're not dealing with and they're not going to live in victory until they deal with the sin. And sometimes God reveals it to me. And sometimes I'll confront it. But church, we need to make sure, just like Joshua, that we spend time in prayer and communication with God before the battle so that he can let us know if there's anything in our life that he needs to deal with. Amen? You say, Pastor, this is a hard message. No, it isn't. It's a great message. Because God wants you to live in victory. He wants you to go from victory to victory to victory. Amen? And so he wants us to be in communication with him, to be people of prayer, to allow him to speak to us and to guide us and direct us. And God is calling us and he's saying, you don't have to be people of sin. You can obey my word because when you disobey my word, you're bringing a curse upon yourself. Let's go on. Verse 10 again. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies." Purity is a prerequisite for spiritual victory. You can't think I'm going to dabble in sin and, and live for the devil all week long and then come to church and everything's going to be all right. Again, church, be sold out for Jesus. Give him everything. And I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm not saying I'm perfect. 
But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will convict you. He will, he will say, hey, that's not right. I'm going to pick on Melody. The Holy Spirit says, Melody, don't do that. <laughs> and know what happens if Melody continues to do that? Melody, don't do that. Melody, stop it right now. That's what God will do. And you have to plug your ears and go, no, 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 no. Because God's going to deal with you because he doesn't want you to end up making mistakes. He wants to see you go from victory to victory to victory. Now, some people struggle with this because of, of Achan being stoned to death and then burned, and not only him, but his family. We're not there yet, but that's what happens. And so people say, how can God be merciful? How can God be loving? How can he be, be a kind God and call for, the, for capital punishment for this man? He just made a mistake. No, he didn't make a mistake. He out and out rebelled against God. He disobeyed what God had given a strict warning not to do. In church, the same thing happens to us today when we discount God's word. Say, I'm going to do this anyway. Guess what? We're living in an atmosphere of curse instead of an atmosphere of blessing. And I want you to think about this. If I had one of my little grandchildren here and they were right next to me and this was KGB at 5 o'clock. And all these trucks are going by and the cars are going by. If I was holding little Zeke by the hand and all of a sudden Zeke just decides he wants to cross the street and he starts heading out. As a grandfather that loves Zeke, I wouldn't say, oh Zeke, don't do that. That's naughty. You might get hurt. Now you come back here. What would you do? Stop! Stop! And you grab him and you pull him back. Don't you ever do that again. Right? Why? Because he could, have, he could have died. He could have killed himself. Been hurt. And that's what God is doing here. That's the heart of God. He's shouting to the nation. Saying you need to be in contact with me. Communicate with me. You need to make sure that you don't disobey the way that I designed life to be. Because that is what brings the victory. Amen. So don't, so don't be, begin to judge God. God is just. Yes. He's always just. And if he allowed Achan to get, listen, if he had allowed Achan to get away with this, we know that his family knew and his family covered it up too because they paid the price. But it would have gotten out into the camps. They would have said, hey, where'd you get that beautiful robe? Where'd you get that silver and that gold? 
it would have gotten out. And then everyone would have, would have remembered what God said. Well, God told us not to do that, but look, you've got it, you've taken it, and wow, you're better off. Maybe I can get away with disobeying God too. So God had to set an example for a nation that was going in to possess their tomorrows, to possess the land, to, to fulfill God's plan for their life. And so that's why Achan is an example of just grabbing that child and jerking them back and shouting, stop. So don't judge God today. Realize what he was doing and that he does have a heart to see his people blessed. Now look at verse 13. God says, get up, sanctify the people, and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. That's the key to this passage. That's the key to living a life of victory. It's saying, Lord, I'm going to be someone who's dedicated to you. I'm going to set myself apart. Sanctified here in this passage in the original Hebrew, it, it means that you're consecrated. It's the word karam. And it means to be consecrated to. It means to be holy, to be set apart, to be dedicated, to dedicate oneself to the Lord. So God was telling them, you need to get everybody together and regroup and make sure everybody's dedicated to the Lord. Amen? Amen? The verse goes on and says, because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst. O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to the families, and the family which the Lord takes shall come by households. And the household which the Lord takes shall come man by man. Then it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire. He and all that is his, that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. Achan was guilty. But what I want you to notice here is he doesn't cry out for God's mercy. God says, I'm going to point out the one who did it. They were going to cast lots in this time of history. They would draw straws, cast lots, or throw dice, and they would welcome God to intervene in that and to show them or to speak to him, them through that. Today, we don't do that as Christians because he's poured the Holy Spirit out upon us and Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. So if we listen to the Lord, we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, God will direct us and guide us. But at this time, that's what they were doing. They weren't just playing a game of chance. They were saying, God, show us. And so God says, I'm going to do that. He's in verse 15. Then it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed things shall be burned with fire. God wasn't messing around. Now look at verse 16. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought 
Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. Now picture yourself as Achan. The first straws drawn or lots cast, the tribe of Judah. Achan goes, that's my tribe. But he didn't say a word. He didn't cry out for the mercy of God. He didn't come with a heart of repentance. He kept hiding his sin. And church, don't hide your sin. Because God knows anyway. And He loves you and He wants to remove our sin from us. He wants to empower us and strengthen us and give us victory over it. Amen. Next in verse 17, he brought the clan of Judah and he took the family of the Zarhites. And he brought the family of the Zarhites man by man and Zebdi was taken. Then he brought the household man by man and Achan the son of Camri, the son of Zebdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah was taken. Now Joshua said to Achan, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Church, I really believe with all my heart that things would have been different if Achan had openly admitted it and repented before the nation and cried out for God's mercy. But he didn't. He hid it till the end until God pointed him out. And only then did he say, yes, I'm the man. Now look at verse 20. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. He saw. He coveted. Church, it's easy for all of us to covet. And covet isn't wanting something better. It's not saying, Lord, I really wish I had a better car. My car's broken down. That's not coveting. Or saying, Lord, I wish I had a, a, a little nicer house. This one keeps falling apart. That's not coveting. Coveting is never being satisfied with what you have. It's, it's always wanting more, wanting better. It's having a nice car and saying, oh, look at that. I really need that. That one's nicer than mine. I want that one. I'm going to do whatever I can to get that one. Or saying, Lord, I want something greater than this house, even though it's fine, even though it's nice. And God loves to bless us. The Scripture says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Amen? God loves to bless us, but He doesn't want things to possess us. And if, if there are things in your life that are controlling you and possessing you, that's an idol and you're putting that ahead of God and it's sin. And it'll lead to destruction. Look at verse 22. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent 
And there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them to the valley of Achor. Achor means trouble. And it's apparent that his family knew and his family covered up his sin too. So his family was guilty. And there's a powerful message there for men. And, and I'm not going to go long. We're, we're done. But men, the way you live your life will affect your children and your, your family. You can either bring blessings on them. You can be a man that says, I'm going to live for God and do what I can to be an example of my children and my wife. I'm going to do my best to love her like Christ loved the church. And guess what? God's going to honor that dedication. He's going to bless you and bless your family and bless your children. Not only that, but he will bless your descendants to the thousandth generation, Scripture says. I want my life to be a stepping stone for the next generation. How about you? Amen. But God also told the people the sins of the Father will be passed down to the third and fourth generation. So when we don't deal with our sin in our life and we let it have a stronghold in our life and it becomes a pet sin that we just kind of enjoy once in a while and this is part of my life. I, want, I love Jesus on Sunday, but... You go home and you dive into pornography. You say, Pastor, you're getting awful hard today. It's because, church, I love you. I'm not trying to jump on you. But I know God's word's true. And I know that unrepented sin in our lives destroys us. And I'm not telling you that you have to be perfect because none of us will ever be perfect until Jesus returns and we go to be with Him. We'll always be fighting this flesh. Yes, we'll stumble. Yes, we'll fall. Even when we do our very best, the Bible says to know to do good and to do it not is sin. So we're always going to be sinners. But we can live in the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We can overcome the sin. You know what? When I was a little boy, I went to a 7-Eleven and I didn't have any money and I really wanted a piece of candy. I wanted the candy really, really bad. I mean really, really, really bad. I wanted some candy, you know what I mean? This was back when, you know, kids could run their neighborhood and nothing would happen to them. So I was by myself. And I went to that 7-Eleven and I found my candy and I looked around and I grabbed that piece of candy and stuck it in my pocket and then ran out of the store and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit started convicting me. And you know what? When I repented and said, God, give me victory over this as a little boy, I've never had that issue 
of wanting to steal anymore. And that's what I'm talking about. When, when we do stumble and we do fall, we, we bring it to the Lord and say, Lord, you're greater than this. Lord, strengthen me, empower me, equip me, Lord, where that I won't make that mistake again. And God does it. Amen? God does it. I want the worship team to come. I want you to stand with me. I'm going to go ahead and read the last two verses of this chapter. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Then they raised over him a great heap of stones still there to this day so the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger therefore the name of that place has been called the valley of Achor to this day church this is a difficult passage of scripture it's not one where we just immediately jump up and down and shout hallelujah but church if we get this passage in our hearts, it prepares us for tomorrow's victories. And that's what I want for us, church. That's what I want for you. I don't want to see ruin come or accursed things come into your life. I want to see you living in the victory of Jesus Christ. As we close the service today, Mitch and the worship team is going to lead us in a song. I'm just going to take a moment and I'm going to ask our, our prayer team members to come forward. Some of them are out of town. They're in Healy today, our new church plant in Healy. And they went up there to pray. But I'd like the prayer team members that are here today to come to the front and the back. And I want you to know that we just want to pray with you. It doesn't have to be with what we talked about today. You may have a financial need that's just overwhelming. You may have a physical need that you need a healing touch. You may have a relationship issue in your family or in your home or work. But whatever your issue is today, bring it to the Lord. Because He has the answer. Amen. Let's, let's bow our heads. Father, I just thank You. I thank you for this passage of Scripture, Lord, even though it's difficult. It shows us your heart for us to have victory in our lives. Lord, like that parent that shouts, stop. Lord, you were shouting to the nation, stop, don't do this. Because you didn't want them to live under a curse. But you wanted them to live in victory. Lord, I just pray that we would be a church that is sold out for Jesus, that we wouldn't compromise, that we wouldn't be half-hearted, we wouldn't be lukewarm, but Lord, we would say, Lord, help me to go full throttle for you, Lord, in every way, in every way, in Jesus' name. There's one more verse I just thought of, and I want to share it. In the very 
In the very next chapter, look at chapter 8, verse 2. I want you to listen to this. And you shall do to Ai its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. If, if Achan had just trusted God, God had already planned for Israel to share of all the wealth of Ai. He said, I'm going to bless you. And that's God's heart. Achan could have had so much more than what he stole. And that's the heart of God. Amen. Amen. Would you join us in worship? And if you want to pray, I'm here to pray with you today.